We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Sunday afternoon. Hope you are uh, having a great day watching some March Madness or out and about or whatever you're doing. Hope you're having a great day. Joining me this afternoon is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this afternoon? Doing pretty well. The weekend flew by, but yesterday we went shopping for wedding flowers. So my fiance and I generally have an idea of what it's going to look like on our wedding. So it's going to be great. That uh, that wedding planning stuff it get, gets uh, pretty stressful. So you know, doing uh, doing flower shopping on a Saturday is probably the best <laughs> way to do it. You know, Brooke and I at the time when we were in, we got married in college, and so like mm-hmm. we were trying to balance, you know, college school, working, yeah. wedding planning, and uh, it got a little uh, got a little hectic at times. So hopefully, it is uh, not that case for you and and Janae. Yeah, all's good. We have the DJ picked and the deposit is there i guess photographer <laughs> um it's not kyle van noy oh I man <laughs> I, I really wanted it to be and again he'd offered but i it was so early last year i would have felt bad saying like if yeah. he was the worst edge rusher in the league i would have felt terrible <laughs> saying that and being like oh by the way can you come back and dj my wedding so i didn't want to mix that up but i appreciate his offer yeah you know in, in july is kind of a, a little hectic month for for nfl players so uh, you know, we'll yeah. see where he ends up. He might not even be in, in Southern California, depending right. where, he, where he ends up signing. So, um, you know, wish him uh, nothing but the best with his DJ journey, which apparently will be starting whenever he's <laughs> done in the NFL. So I uh, have a fun show planned for you guys this afternoon. Uh, we are going to be kind of talking about two different things, but it's all geared towards free agency, right? So we're going to talk about 
Um, some free agency targets that we would like to see the Chargers sign from here on out. Um, you know, ideally ones that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of buzz about. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about John Johnson. I think we've we've said our piece <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so we'll see if that one, that one ends up happening. But, you know, the Chargers historically have been pretty active in week two of free agency. Um, you know, we'll see how active they are this year. But, um, you know, we should I think we should expect at least some news this week. So we'll see what happens there. And then we're also going to talk about how the Chargers past week of moves has impacted the draft. And I think we can also kind of yeah. talk about restructures and bring that whole thing back up a little mm-hmm. bit as well. So, um, you know, this is obviously all eyes kind of trending towards the draft. And then after this week, it's going to be, you know, really full steam ahead towards the draft. So, um, you know, Tyler asking about if if things happen on the weekends for the Chargers. Joe Reedy did respond to your tweet and say that they mm-hmm. did hire Brandon Staley on the weekend. So, you know, maybe we'll see something uh, something this week. There's there's some there's definitely some free agent markets that I think the Chargers should be in on that haven't really gotten going. So I kind of expect that to to happen this week. But um, all right, so let's uh, let's dive in here, Tyler. We'll we'll talk about first the from the draft angle, and then we'll mm. we'll finish the show with um, some potential targets. So what is kind of one maybe theme of the week that we saw the Chargers execute that maybe might have some some big bigger draft ramifications in your mind excuse me can't talk today but uh draft ramifications of the week what are they for you it's sort of what they haven't done yet which is address the edge position to me and unfortunately the spoiler alert is a lot of what we discussed before free agency not a whole lot has changed in terms of what we think we're is going to be prioritized um but with the restructure of joey bosa and khalil mack so i guess those are sort of moves and with the lack of an addition so far at the edge position, it just feels to me like that is naturally the most important thing heading into the draft outside of maybe wide receiver because of the other two restructures. Um, we talked about John Johnson, so I don't want to jump into that too much. At this point, I just kind of expect that's going to happen. So I'm going into this thinking, you know, what's left. And to me, it's the, all eyes are on those four restructures and those you know two positions. So to me, it's what they haven't done yet, which is add an edge rusher. And granted, they could do that after the draft. They could just be, you know, having a sort of a handshake agreement with Kyle Van Noy and eventually he's going to come back. But for right now, to me, at 21, especially with the drafts and, and the, the strength of this draft, it really does feel like edge of 21 for me. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we'll see if they end up changing something. But f- like for me, like even if they bring if, even if they did bring back Kyle Van Noy, I still wouldn't necessarily think that would rule out edge in the first round. Um, you know, th- this this team, I think, needs to be able to execute the vision that Brandon Staley has. And I think that's, you know, one of the more important things uh, of this draft. And I think, you know, we, we've learned a lot over the past couple of years, obviously, about what kind of style Brandon Staley wants to play. And I think in order to be able to effectively execute that style, you have to have the defensive talent to do so and specifically the defensive line talent. So right now, like I think you you feel good about the Chargers, quote unquote, starting five. You know, if you are assuming that Austin Johnson comes back healthy, mm-hmm. because you have Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, and Sebastian Joseph Day, I think you feel good about that five. Again, Austin Johnson's kind of up in the air right now. Um, if you take him out and you want to say starting four without him, you know, I think you feel good about that group, right? But you know, you still need the kind of edge talent and defensive tackle talent to be able to really properly execute Brandon Staley's vision. And, you know, you look at teams around the league who are kind of running the same stuff. Like 
Vic Fangio is going to be in Miami with Bradley Chubb as his second best edge rusher. And he's got Jalen Phillips and he's got Christian Wilkins and he's got all these guys. You know, yeah. they agreed to be their edge four, I think, is is what's going to happen there. Um, you know, you look at what Philadelphia had this past year and they're not necessarily they weren't necessarily a, a pure Vangio disciple, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But a lot of similar concepts there. And they were so deep along the defensive line that Jordan Davis, a first round pick, was hardly playing at the end of the season. So I think, like, regardless of what you think of Brandon Staley, like, I think he mm-hmm. understands that the Chargers need more defensive line talent. And I understand that people will kind of point to the edge three not being like a quote unquote starter. But that's where you have to take guys to be legitimate dudes. Mm-hmm. And it, that right now, to me, that's that's the clear cut need. And frankly, that was the case heading into free agency. Yeah. And again, I have to repeat myself, the edge three or four or and four on this team the last three years has played 800 snaps combined between edge three and four obviously but still 800 snaps a year including i think a thousand last year um, because of joy bosa missing basically the entire year so right it's as long as this isn't like a project player who is someone who will barely see the fold and, and obviously hoping that this person is not a bust if they pick the right guy this player could see five six hundred snaps and I think that's great. And they should. Even if Joy Bose and Khalil Mack are playing really, really well, you got to get, if you take one at 21, you got to get that edge rusher going. Because even if Mack and Bosa play well, one of them is probably gone next year. So I need to know, and you right. need to know from that edge one, what you have too. So I think they'll almost force that issue as well, because you really need to see what you have in this edge player. Yeah. And I think for me, like one of the things that could be the theme of the past week is, is, maybe flexibility, right? Being able to keep options open. So sure, like maybe it's not an edge rusher. Maybe you go out and bring Kyle Vannoy back and you essentially kind of run back the edge room, right? But then it's like, that gives you less flexibility in the long term, right? Mm Because if you don't draft an edge rusher this year in the first round or in the second round, like we'll see what happens with the edge rusher group in general. But I think in general, like first two rounds is is probably where you want to take an edge rusher. If you don't and you're going to head into next season, without one of Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack, then next year you probably do absolutely have to take a pass rusher in the first round. Like you won't have that option to do anything else. And maybe next year's edge rusher class isn't as deep. You know, this year I think you have probably eight or nine guys that I think you feel comfortable with taking and with a potential top 53 pick or whatever the Chargers second, second pick is. So it's just if the Chargers goal this year is maybe have some short-term flexibility i think drafting an edge rusher makes a lot of sense for long-term flexibility as well are you still seeing edge as the priority over wide receiver i'm only asking i think you do but i'm asking because the chat is sort of you know they'd like to know i'm sure yeah i'm i still am and i think part of that is because i feel better about the chances of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen sticking around after next season you know like you you really see pass rushers kind of fall off a cliff and you know maybe that mm-hmm. happens with Mack after next season maybe Joey Bosa has another season where he's just kind of banged up mm-hmm. and I think you feel better about where the Chargers are at receiver wise also because of Josh Palmer so there's yeah. there's some layers here like if we had seen more flashes from Chris Rumpf Mm-hmm. then maybe we feel differently but we've we've seen josh palmer be an effective wide receiver two wide receiver three and i think the chargers would feel comfortable about him stepping into a larger role next season so and i think the other part of this is obviously the class like for me 
I think you like this wide receiver class is just not the kind of group where you take a first round pick on. And, and we did, we talked about this for our wide receiver rankings. Like if the chargers at 21, take a receiver and let's say it's Jordan Addison, right? Like, you know, really is that capable? Is that guy capable of being a wide receiver for one? That's what you have to ask yourself with the top 25 pick is, is this person, capable of becoming a wide receiver one edge one tight end one running back one whatever i don't think that's the case in this group like we talked about quentin johnson having the highest ceiling maybe that's who they end up going maybe he goes you know significantly earlier than that whereas you have nolan smith you have vj ojalari you have Will mcdonald i think you feel comfortable about those guys reaching a potential edge one wide receivers or edge one ceiling over the wide receivers and as Thomas Martinez points out, like this class is filled with wide receiver twos and threes. And that's what the Chargers need. They need a wide receiver three right now that can, you know, be that long-term answer and give them some versatility. So it's just like, it's a combination of things for me. But like, if I get the choice, I'm taking an edge rusher at 21 over a receiver in this class, like without any hesitation. Mm-hmm. And as Eddie's talking about here, the Bolts haven't made any efforts to find a speed wide receiver in free agency. I mean, technically we don't know that, but um, right. I wonder what speedy wide receiver, unless you're again like a Jalen Guyton type, what speedy wide receiver would really want to come to the Chargers as is. Now, granted, money is money. Playing with Herbert sounds really good, but you have to go beat out Josh Palmer. Like, how how certain are you, right, in this one year deal you're probably going to get that you're going to go beat out Josh Palmer? And then in this class, probably a rookie that gets drafted, let's say round three. So you have to beat out Josh Palmer, maybe like say Marvin Mims or Trey Palmer or something. Yeah. How likely are you, you know, how how good are you feeling about yourself that you're going to go out and keep your job? So I don't even know if the Chargers are looking for someone or not, but I don't know which wide receiver is looking at this roster and thinking, okay, I'm at best a wide receiver for, unless it's, you know, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., but that's not right. happening. So I just don't think the Chargers are, my point is, I don't think the Chargers are going to sign a wide receiver. I think it's more of a returner type. Yeah, sorry. I was laughing at uh, Solo's comment about trading the 2024 and 25 first-round picks and getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Listen, man, Marvin Harrison Jr. is an, an elite talent, man. He's so much fun to watch. Every time I turn on Ohio State tape, it's just kind of ridiculous. So um, in in general, like I think my kind of preferred process at wide receiver is you address wide receiver four in the draft and a day two pick. like. I think people misconstrue us saying we don't want a wide receiver in round one, ideally, as like we don't want any new talent into the position room. Right. I think if you draft Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, Jaden Reed, Trey Palmer, that kind of crowd, it does the same thing as as drafting Jalen High in the first round, personally, or Quentin Johnson. Like, you know, the Chargers need more speed. We all agree about that. But, you know, this wide receiver four is not going to be you know, an immediate wide receiver one, which I think is, is kind of the disconnect in my opinion. So, um, you know, for me, like the vision at wide receiver is you take that wide receiver on day two. Maybe you bring back DeAndre Carter to be your returner type. I think I think Ryan Ficken at least would want to upgrade kickoff returner, but DeAndre Carter is a fine punt returner. And then you add another person. Like, I think you have to have six receivers to be able to execute what Kellen wants to do. So, you can either sign two cheap veterans and draft your guy in on day two. You can draft your guy on day two, sign another guy like Isaiah McKenzie, and then draft your returner on day three. 
and there are some good options. I tweeted about a couple of them today. Um, so, like, I think the Chargers will add multiple bodies. Um, I just don't think it's going to be the necessarily the way that people are going to be happiest with. Yeah, I do think just stemming from that Ryan Ficken part as well, when Joshua Kelly went down, Michael Bandy was the other blocker, the other wing next to, I believe, Xander Horvath, um, as long as Horvath was active and playing. With Eckler potentially being gone, we'll see. You know, maybe Kelly's take more of a role. Obviously, Bandy is gone, and I don't know how they feel about Xander, though I do think he's a starter for them. I do think, not early on by any means, and again, unless Eckler leaves, but I do think it, it, this is kind of a, a lame thing to bring up, but I do think like a blocking running back on special teams is something that they will look for in the draft as well. I uh, would love Roshan Johnson on the Chargers. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic blocker, speed threat, great in zone scheme. I, I, I really like Roshan Johnson's fit on the Chargers, and he's actually fast. He's not like super fast, but he is. He's fast. I think he ran like a four four or something at the combine. So yeah, uh, I like uh, Roshan Johnson a lot. Um, one of the things I'm curious about after free agency because Morgan Fox, I think he did sign obviously an affordable contract, mm-hmm. right? But I'm curious what exactly happens at defensive tackle because Austin Johnson is mm-hmm. hurt. He's a free agent next year. Otito Ogbonia, uh, I think, flashed some really cool things. I really was very pleased with what he was putting out on tape each week. But he's got the same injury as J.C. Jackson. He also has the ruptured patella tendon, which can be a a pretty grueling uh, injury. So I'm curious if they look at this defensive tackle class, which I'm not going to say is awful like I did on the other show. I'm going to (laughs) say is is kind of top-heavy, okay? So, like, you have – you have some guys like Mozzie Smith and, and Brian Brzee, and maybe you want to throw Siaka Ika in that same conversation or, or Keanu Brenton or or whoever, right? Like you can say that this defensive tackle class is is top heavy. So I'm curious if this regime kind of looks at defensive tackle maybe earlier than we think, you know, is kind of the common consensus here. Maybe they take you know, a Mozzie Smith in the second round if he falls to them, or a Keanu Brenton in the second mm-hmm. round if he if he falls to them. And it's not necessarily a pass rusher, but somebody that can give them some, again, long-term flexibility along the defensive line with with the injuries to Austin Johnson and Otito Ogbonia. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good pull. Um, I, I definitely, obviously, and we all agree, it takes him out of the first round running. Like I thought like a Brian Brezzi, if he gets there maybe, but with Morgan Fox back, I, you know, I don't believe that's going to happen. But you know, Jay Rogers, when he switched to the interior defensive line coach, they went from not really prioritizing that position to keeping six instead of five when Jay Rogers was there, uh, when he's still there, obviously, as the interior defensive line coach. So I think they're leaning towards having more of those bodies. Technically, they had like six and a half. It was just kind of a rotation yeah. between Fajoko and Covington initially. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think prioritizing prioritizing that is great. And you just... There's just too many question marks. Do you want to, you know, if your season opener or first two games, you're going against, the, say, the Chiefs or whoever, and these are big critical divisional games, and you don't have your defensive tackles, you know, two of them at minimum, because yeah. you're waiting on some guys to get healthy. Like, you don't want to see yourself in that position. Now, I could see them just adding someone post-draft. Like, I think Ashawn Robinson is meeting with the Giants today. So maybe correct. he's gone. Um, but still, like, I'm sure there's, Somebody maybe you could add post draft, and I would get that. But I would love to see them address this and keep that rotating through as well. Keep guys developing because, you know, in theory, you have a solid head coach and defensive coordinator here. 
well, now it's Ansley, but I mean, Staley is the defensive coordinator. You have a great position coach who I think did a, a really fantastic job with the defensive yeah. tackles last year overall. I would love to bring someone in and keep that cycle going for sure. Yeah, you know, I, like I just think it's an underrated need that people are not necessarily talking about for the draft. And I think it would be, honestly, it would be so funny to me if the first two rounds of the Chargers were an edge rusher and a defensive tackle. And like the <laughs> the amount of people that would be upset about that. And I just think that would be a really ironic result for, for the Chargers draft. But um, kind of on that same regard here, um, Christian Covington has been working like, quite working out quite heavily at the Chargers facility. He looks pretty good to me. Um, I'm not necessarily out on bringing him back. And I know the coaching staff really loves Christian Covington. So um, if he's healthy, like I I wouldn't rule that out either. What is the rule again with him being able to work? Like, is he just until he signs a new deal? Like, what is the, you know, the rule is, I think so. I think he can work out at the facility as, as long as he doesn't have a new contract. Like I, Mm-hmm. I kind of figured that it would go up until Wednesday, but he was there again on Friday, I think it was, or, mm-hmm. or unless that was an old video that he posted. But, um, you know, I, I I would not be shocked if they ended up bringing him back. Yeah, I, I could see them doing a competition sort of thing. But yeah, sure. no, I, I do think Covington being back is a strong possibility. And I would get it. I think there were times we thought that maybe he wasn't as deserving, you know, to be, that sounds mean, uh, maybe we had different preferences for run defense, I should say. But sure. there are a lot of moments, including, I believe, the Houston game, where he really did shine and step up. I think he was a lot yeah. better in situations than I expected. So, great. Love it. If, he back, if he's back. If he's back, for sure. Um, all right, Tyler, any other uh, draft implications from the, this past week for you? Hmm. Well, if edge rusher and defensive tackle might be kind of funny for Chargers fans, Edge rusher, defensive tackle, and linebacker might be even funnier. Um, <laughs> which again, like I, I don't know where they view Kenneth Murray moving forward in this situation. Like we know heading into last year, they loved him. The talent was too good to fail. He was excellent, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, things just haven't they, they just haven't worked out. Um, and you know, there was kind of a pass the previous year because of injuries, because of external circumstances. But now they know more. And obviously, they brought in Kendricks to be the starter. So I don't know how they view him. Uh, they didn't draft a defensive tackle last year to replace Jerry Tillery, um, at least not in that particular season. But they did sign a lot of guys. And I'm curious, you know, how high do you have to draft someone to justify replacing them, to replacing someone mm. like Kenneth Murray in this class? And, and how good does that linebacker have to be? Because... Yeah. You know, again, I've not watched the linebacker class outside of Jack Campbell, but it doesn't sound like this is the strongest class either. So, if you're looking to move on from Kenneth Murray pretty quick, like during the season, kind of the you know move him out, kind of like Jerry Tillery was, you probably have to take them at minimum in the third round. I don't see a fourth, you know, day three pick coming in and just competing with Kenneth mm-hmm. Murray and beating him out. Like this is still the Chargers. There's still some favoritism. Um, like I didn't expect Christian Covington to beat out Jerry Tiller. I didn't expect Otito Igboni to beat out Jerry Tiller or Braden Fajoko, um, Chris Hinton. Like I don't expect any of those guys to beat him out. So it took either an expensive free agent or someone like Morgan Fox, who was a lot more proven. And he kind of had the job early on. Um, so yeah. far, they haven't found a guy to replace Kenneth Murray in the LB2 sense. But I, I'm really curious how early they would address one. 
Yeah, and I'm sure that you know Nick Neiman and Eamon Ogbamumiga could certainly you know develop more, but even that, I would be surprised if they were kind of you know the starters over over Kenneth Murray. So, you know, I, I think to me they're they're kind of special teamers at this point. So, um, would Troy Reader qualify for you in that in that regard? I mean, he's not necessarily as proven as Morgan Fox, obviously, but mm-hmm. he's been with Staley for two different seasons, and he did start for Staley in 2020. Um, where? Do you think he would count? And do you think that, do you think the Chargers would bring him back at this point? I think they would. I think they should because again, there's been no change to his contract. It's going to be the cheapest thing possible. Um, and I, I do think I'm trying to remember last year how much Troy Reader played over Kenneth Murray in training camp. I'd have to go back and look. Obviously, Calvin Noy was playing over him or next to him. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I think if Troy Reader comes back, then I do think there's they're not going to anoint him the LB2, but I think there's a legit battle between him and Kenneth Murray. And I think the preseason would play itself out. I think that would kind of fall on the lines of like a Morgan Fox. Last year, you know, Kenneth Murray, first round linebacker, a lot of promise, guy we believe in. This year, yeah. may, may, okay, maybe it's the same, but it isn't the same. So I'm, I would be, I, would, I do think that Troy Reader qualifies as someone who could beat him out. Yeah, and a uh, quick shout out to uh, our guy Jake Hefner over at Chargers Unleashed doing some great work hey, with up, uh, Dan Wolkenstein. Appreciate Jake jumping in here today. Um, had a recently great interview with uh, Justin Mello at the Draft Network. You guys should definitely go oh, check nice. that out. And uh, you know, Jake is uh, Jake and Dan are crushing it over there. So appreciate them tuning in today. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, real quick, just uh, Jake and Dan, like both great guys. Absolutely, Jake kind of throughout last couple of even years i would say has, has just been really like honestly sweet and supportive and kind um so jake i really appreciate you thank you so much yeah definitely looking forward to uh getting down at training camp and uh hopefully chatting it up with those guys down there um okay so in back circling back to the linebacker conversation really quickly i do think that you know if you sign troy reader back then theoretically you could kind of have that second linebacker spot be a bit of more of a rotation similar to how they had with tranquil and kenneth murray last year um or two years ago i guess now so you know i, I think that could be a possibility i think you're the chargers are going to miss drew tranquil's ability as as a blitzer they are going to like i think kendrick's is is not the same player in that regard as he used to be but if you have kenneth murray as kind of your sub package pass rushing kind of linebacker i think that could suit him and the Chargers did try to kind of specialize Jerry Tillery last season. Granted, they didn't necessarily have a choice because of Austin Johnson and, and Sebastian Joseph Day. So I am curious if we see them kind of specialize Kenneth Murray a little bit more. In terms of outright replacing him, I do think it would have to be probably a second round pick. Like, and frankly, it would probably have to be Jack Campbell. Cause like if you take, you know, Trenton Simpson in the second round, or if you take uh, you know, Drew Sanders in the second round, the linebacker from Arkansas. Those guys are kind of projecty for me. Like you're you're not starting them right away over Kenneth Murray, who has multiple years of of starting experience. So I think Jack Campbell is the is by far the most pro ready linebacker in this class. So it's like if you're telling me that you want to full on replace Kenneth Murray, then Jack Campbell is the choice. Like you got to go get him in the second round. Mm. I mean, I would. Uh... I would, I, I would, I would get that. And I think even though Chargers fans are really hoping for literally anything else other than linebacker in the second round, I would get it because 
Yeah. While the Chargers do not have a a need in the sense that there's a roster hole to fill at this point if they get John Johnson, there kind of is at linebacker. You know, yeah. there there kind of is. Whether they feel that way or not, I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, there there is kind of a hole in the roster at at that second linebacker spot. So I would understand it. Like if if Chargers fans are looking at it, if wide receiver three is set in the Chargers' eyes and linebacker two is not, that linebacker is probably playing a lot more snaps than this wide receiver is. So I would understand, though I might hate it, um, I would get it why they would go linebacker early. And frankly, you know, at some point, although again, I, I prefer premium positions, maybe sort of like tight end, you can't just keep cycling guys through at some point. And I mean, in this daily regime, not like, I know they just drafted Kenneth Murray, but they they do kind of need to prioritize long-term fit. Yeah. Long-term, long-term stuff. If you're not going to re-sign Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil, as much as that hurts to say, then find somebody in the draft who you can depend upon and rely upon for two, three, four years, whether it takes you know a year to develop or whatever, I don't know. Um, but th- they should find stability at that position. I know they don't prioritize them financially, but I at least think in the draft, and as much as Arjun, I'm sure, hates the idea of a linebacker in the second round, I would understand it. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be so funny. Like, imagine if they go tight in and linebacker in the first two rounds. Like, again, this Woo! is just... <laughs> This is just us spitballing things. Like, you know, everybody wants these players they draft early to be starters. Well, it's like, you know, at most of their premium positions, they're kind of set with starters. Like, they have two tackles long-term. They have two edge rushers long-term, theoretically. You know, they have corners they like. They have wide receivers they like. You know, this this might be a non-premium draft early. And, you know, it kind of just depends on the goal there. So, um (laughs) Arjun's in the chat now. Says trading up for a linebacker would be hilarious. A true. Hey, we're not trading up. We're just gonna take one. (laughs) No, definitely not. But I do think this also emphasizes the need for the Chargers to trade back in the first round and get Mm -hmm. a second, or not a second, an additional top 100 pick this year is is absolutely necessary in my opinion. So, again, this is just us spitballing some things. Like I, I'm not advocating for the Chargers to go like tight end linebacker or edge linebacker. You know, I think these are our possibilities. But in my opinion, you would add an offensive weapon in the first two picks, whether that's tight end or, or wide receiver. So um, let's wrap this conversation up with the tight end position because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of takes out there that maybe signing Donald Parham back means X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Kind of takes tight end off the board early. You know, the Chargers obviously have Gerald Everett locked up for this season. Um, where are you at with tight end? Like, what's kind of your ideal way the Chargers add to that position this year going forward now that Parham is back? I would love it's again, it depends on the fit of who's there, but I'm looking at that that day two range. I think mm-hmm. there's just too many quality guys, unless you're looking looking for like an H back sort of tie, like you want to wait for Braden Willis, and like that's kind of your way to address tight end that the Chargers would do this year. Okay, maybe yeah. I would get that. But if we're looking for a tight end, tight end then I would love one of those round two or round three picks. There's just too much talent. Like how, how I know it's not a premium spot, but Parham, like he's probably gone next year. Gerald Everett is gone next year. Trey McKitty is such an unknown. You feel good about having like two tight end twos on your roster, but you want to, again, almost sort of like linebacker, you want to start developing some of these guys, again, for long-term stability. 
And mm-hmm. unlike linebacker, like linebackers, that's, that's just kind of more of our speculation. Like we've heard that tight end is something that they want to address yeah. and have long-term stability with. You can't just keep signing these, no offense, but like random guys to fill one year, two years. And you can't just keep doing that at a tight end, um, especially now this might apply to wide receiver too, but especially if you have to cut one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams next year, someone needs to be for four yeah. years and longer, hopefully a consistent red zone, third down, whatever presence for Justin Herbert when other guys are covered. Like they do need to have that. And it really just never showed. It sort of did with Donald Parham, but he just never plays. But these guys really haven't developed into like, that's the guy. That's the dude yeah. I'm going to. That's my feature. They haven't really developed into that. I'm not saying that a, a you know round three tight end is going to be that right away, but they got to start developing that. Yeah, I do agree with that. And you know, the term that we had heard was that, uh, you know, not I guess not term, but the thing that we had heard was that, you know, Justin Herbert was actively like talking about how he missed Hunter Henry this year and how he want to be able to be able to have that long term answer there. So. I do think tight end is a need this year. You know, we've heard that from a few different people that they've been, you know, searching around and doing their homework on that on that front. Um, Daniel Popper went as far to say that they are desperate to find a long term tight end one. So maybe that kind of forces their hand for the first round. And again, you know, we'll kind of see what happens there. But this tight end class, it has so many guys like, you know, we didn't really talk about Luke Schoonmaker uh, Mm. from Michigan Arjun's guy. You know, but on in terms of like day three, like him and Payne Durham, like if you draft one of those guys in the third round, fourth round, I would totally get it. You know, you mm-hmm. liked Will Mallory. I haven't necessarily gotten to him yet. There's a tight end from Cincinnati. Like this, this tight end mm-hmm. class has a lot of dudes. There was that guy who uh from Old Dominion, I think it was, who tested like literally perfect on the RES scale yeah. um, at the combine. Like there's so many different opportunities for you to address tight end this year. It just kind of depends like how immediate do you want that impact to be? You know, I think you feel good, obviously, about Everett and Parham kind of holding down that front if they're healthy, mostly if if Donald Parham is healthy. Um, Will Coons, thank you, Solo Man. Is that how you say it? I, I believe so. Oh, is it Will or Zach? Zach Coons. Okay. Okay. I, I, from Coons. Ultimate. Coons, I think. Okay. Somebody in the chat, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, Regardless, I think you feel good about where the Chargers are at long, like short term with Donald Parham and Jared Everett coming back. Um, you know, presumably Trey McKitty will, will maybe take some kind of step forward in his development. That sounds really mean, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Chargers do need a long term tight end one. And I think this is a great draft to need one to to be able to have that draft. So, um, you know, they'll get a guy, I think, at some point. I just don't think it's going to be round one anymore. I don't know if you feel different. It's going to depend on who's there. If you're, and if you tell me that Kincaid and Mayer are both there at 21, which I think at least one of them will be, and mm-hmm. let's say Ojalari and Smith are gone, and I, I think Ojalari will be there, but let's just say Ojalari and Smith are gone. Sure. I am at that point pivoting to Mayer or Kincaid over McDonald. I think at that point. I agree. I would take, I would take those two players over that next crowd of pass rushers. Um, you know, I would take that. I would take the, either of the tight ends over any of the receivers that they're that are probably going to be on the board. Like I, I would take Kincaid or Mayer over Jalen Hyatt. I think. Oh, um, okay. So I just like I think tight end early makes a lot of sense for them. I think mm-hmm. Darnell Washington. I would understand he would kind of be in that Will McDonald range for me too. I know he tested like a freak, but 
Um, you know, th- that is something that I, like I said, I would understand it if they took Darnell Washington early because he fills an immediate role right away and upgrades their, their biggest problem in the run game last year that they can upgrade now. The biggest problem was Joe Lombardi. He's already gone. Second biggest <laughs> problem was blocking at the tight end position. If you take yeah. Darnell Washington right away, that problem is solved. So mm-hmm. I would understand it, although I would I would still obviously prefer Kincaid or Mayer. Yeah, I think par okay, so if we're talking about implications, I do think Parham coming back rules out Darnell Washington. I probably agree. Um but again, I don't I don't know how they have these guys ranked. Perhaps they're he's their tight end one and is a can't miss prospect. So but still, I, I just don't buy it. Yeah, I think you know, Kellen Moore is gonna want a guy who can do a lot of everything, right? Like I think you have kind of specializations of each of the three tight ends you currently have. You know, Gerald Everett's kind of a space tight end. He's not necessarily, you know, a guy you want in line controlling the middle of the field. Donald Parham, you're comfortable with controlling the middle of the field. He's a good blocker. That's kind of his role. Mm-hmm. Trey McKitty is your blocker exclusively. It's the only thing he does. <laughs> um, so you have three guys who kind of do everything you want in a tight end, but I think they want somebody who can do all of it and be good at all of it. So, you know, that is Michael Mayer's specialty. He can do pretty much everything you want a tight end to do more so than Dalton Kincaid's specialty is. Although I do obviously believe that Dalton can be a functional blocker. Um, So it's just going to be really interesting to see how kind of they go about this, because like if you take a wide receiver in the first round, take an edge rusher, those guys probably don't play like immediately, like big time snaps. Whereas if you draft Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid in the first round, like that's, that's your tight end one, like right away, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I guess uh, moving forward, then do you believe they would carry four tight ends still? I think they still would. I think they would. I think McKitty makes the roster, but I think, you know, him and Xander Horvath would essentially rotate healthy scratch role, right? Like we've seen in the past. So, mm. They need more of a special teams guy if they want, you know, the fullback for one week. I think him and and Horvath would essentially rotate spots on on the being healthy scratches. I also think that this is way down the line. I don't think Xander Horvath is above replacement. Yes, they drafted him, but like, I don't think he's above replacement if Kellen Moore wants someone who has more of a true history of being a true fullback. Yeah, and also there wasn't really a fullback in Dallas. Like they never really oh had that. Like it was yeah. like they would they would they actively put like an offensive lineman at fullback more than they would use like an actual tight end back there. So you know it it how he views Xander this year is going to be very, very interesting. It's it's a very small, like down the line, like or down the chart subplot of the season for Kellen Moore, but like they actively did not have a fullback in Dallas for pretty much like the last six years. So mm. um, is Xander maybe kind of transitioning more to a running back role? Does he play more mm. H back? Like, does, like Xander is going to have to be more involved if he's going to want to have a role at all on this offense. Otherwise, you know, he's just going to be a special teams guy. Yeah. I'd really be curious. To, I wish I could just ask and know what happened to Horvath over the stretch of the season. He was hurt at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, he was on the injury report for a few weeks, but I don't think he ever was ruled out. Huh. Okay. If I remember correctly, somebody in the chat, obviously if, if you remember Xander being ruled out for a game, okay. Isabel said that he had an ankle injury. Oh okay. yeah. I, I remember it being like a smaller injury, but I don't uh-huh. remember him like 
missing games. Maybe it might have been one game, but I don't remember him missing like an extended amount of time or anything. Yeah, there was uh, something that happened where all of a sudden he just like wasn't part of the game plan. And I feel like there was something, yeah. but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, great conversation. Great question here from uh, Teresa Papas. Eddie said that he sprained his ankle. Minor injury. Yeah, mm. that sounds right okay. to me. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. All right. So we've uh, kind of covered that angle. Uh, Tyler, I want, kind of want to move on here to some potential free agency targets that um, you know could be options this week. Um, I'm going to start this one off with a guy that I haven't necessarily be seen be mentioned as of yet, and that is safety Ronnie Harrison from hmm. formerly of the Cleveland Browns and also Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, he's somebody that would offer them a bit of a different size profile. You know, he's 6'3", about 215, 210. Um, you know, they don't really have that kind of guy, obviously, outside of Derwin James. Um, and there's a, a significant amount of connections here with Ronnie Harrison, the safety from, again, the, formerly of the Cleveland Browns. He was uh, traded to the Browns where he recently played under Jeff Howard as his hmm. position coach. Nice. And he uh, is an Alabama product where he was coached by Derek Ansley and recruited to Alabama by Derek Ansley. So there's definitely some coaching connections here, which we've seen be a very important aspect of things. I think mm -hmm. he would give them a different element than they currently have. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely more of a box safety. He's definitely more of a box slot safety, which I think is needed. And he did have a bit of a down season this past year in Cleveland, which was, uh, it, I think he's not going to be super expensive because of it. But in 2021, he was PFF's second, or excuse me, he was PFF's 12th highest graded run defending safety. And he had the 15th highest run stop percentage of any safety in the league with 20% of their snaps. So he's kind of a run defending safety, which I think is a need for this team. Like I think they, mm -hmm. in order to play with, you know, the, the light boxes that they want to be able to play with, you have to have safeties that can tackle. You know, his missed tackle rate was 6% in 2021. And it was 7% in 2020. So he's somebody that is a sure-handed tackle, tackler. Wow. He's a bit more physical. I think you kind of specialize him into kind of that, that box slot kind of safety role that mm -hmm. we thought Mark Webb was going to be when they drafted mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he just gives them kind of something different. He's not going to cost a lot. You know, I, I think John Johnson, we can kind of pencil in at this point. But yeah. supposedly John Johnson is also talking with the Raiders. Supposedly they, they really like him. Mm -hmm. I can see them kind of throwing a bigger bag at him than the Chargers might at this point. So if you miss out on John Johnson, I think Ronnie Harrison checks a lot of boxes for this team as well. 
and like I said, there's a bunch of connections there with Jeff Howard and, and Derek Ansley. That's that's a really good one. I had not considered him. So just to again clarify, we're in this case we're assuming John Johnson is there. So he would be an, an addition to the room, or no? If John room? Johnson's there, you're not signing him. He's he's okay. if you miss out on John Johnson. Gotcha, gotcha. Sounds good. No, that's a really good suggestion. I didn't realize there were that many connections. And I mean, geez, that's that's a good pull. Nice job. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, in this instance, I do think although he would still probably be the starter as well. Oh, okay. So okay, so Alohi starts over, or this yeah, is a battle. Then, yeah, at least a battle. But I do think in this instance, you're not necessarily upgrading your safety too. Instead, more you're kind of adding a body to, to challenge for that spot. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Uh, another person with a, a looser connection because he didn't coach this position, uh, but same connection to Jeff Howard is Anthony Walker, the Browns linebacker, who mm. both Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa and Greg Newsom were like, hey, we got to get this guy back. Like on social media, they're asking to bring him back. Yeah. So he might. But. Let's consider it. Um, I believe the projection <laughs> from PFF was very, very small. You know, this is not much more than I think a veteran minimum is what it was. Uh, didn't even play much last year. I believe it was due to injury, but I guess I should have looked into that. Um, had a, a solid eight pressures on nine pass rush snaps, which I'll take. That's not bad. Nine run stops on 39 run stop running defense snaps. Wow, that was awful. Uh, but still pretty <laughs> productive. So only three games in Cleveland last year, um, but still got, you know, pretty solid numbers. I think it was eight pressures, nine run stops mm-hmm. in the three games that he had. Again, I, I'm not, lo- we're not looking for, you know, Bobby Wagner here. We're not looking for anybody major, just someone to add to the room with a bit of, I don't know, familiarity with at least somebody. So yeah. I think if Staley wants to go find someone again, who you can utilize as that potential, you know, rusher or something. Although I do think that should be at least at this point, if it's not Kendricks, it should be someone like Kenneth Murray. But if you want to add one more guy who can do that, because we've seen in the preseason, they'd love to try to blitz, um, just to kind of work on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got he's got career thirty five pressures and five sacks and one hundred and eleven snaps as a rusher. Um, so, you know, and then slight related synergy, I guess. Um, he was a former Colt, which is again very loosely related at this point. <laughs> Telesco hasn't been there for a while, but that used to be a thing. Um, and then he did he did play for Northwestern. So again, very 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 loose synergy there. But you can. You do have people who can ask questions to certain people in that building, call up the Colts, call up Northwestern, kind of just get to know more this guy more. Obviously, ask Jeff Howard. Um, so much, much looser connection. Again, the Browns players really want him back, so he's probably back. Um, but yeah. I would consider it. Yeah, that definitely gives them a nice balance, I think. And that would take like that would be somebody you play over Kenneth Murray. Obviously, would take linebacker off of the board in the draft, too, I think. Um, so he's somebody that's that stood out for me every time I've I've watched the Browns. He's he's an athletic freak back there, and I think he uh, would bring a, a a banshee mentality that I think the Chargers defense does need. So um, I'd be a fan of that one. Um, next for me, so I've kind of talked about um, offensive line being something that I I think the Chargers should address in 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 the wave of second free agency. Uh, you know, I talked last time about uh, Cam Fleming, the former Broncos tackle, as being an option there. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about, about some other swing into uh-huh. your offensive linemen. Um, I'm I'm going to bring up Pat Elfline here, the formerly of hmm. the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he's a former third round pick of the Vikings, so you know, not necessarily coached by Ryan Ficken and Jeff Howard, but he was there and they were there at the same time, so um, that does make some sense. 
you know, most recently he's he's played as a center for the Panthers and he's played pretty well. Um, he did have kind of a, a relatively serious injury. I want to say it was maybe a broken ankle or broken foot or something like that. I'm not totally sure. Um, but before he got hurt last year for the Panthers, he was playing the best ball of his career. His pass blocking efficiency rating was 98.1. Um, you know, he does have over a thousand snaps at left guard for his career as well. So I do think he's probably more of a natural center than Will Clapp mm. would be, you know, but similar kind of thing, right? Somebody who's who's bounced around a little bit. He's played for the Jets, Panthers, and Vikings. Um, somebody that could really kind of come in and be able to provide some depth that way. Um, I think the Panthers actually traded for him, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he got a, a pretty decent contract from the Jets. Um, so he, that that kind of would take that backup center out of it. I think he could also provide you some flexibility at some other positions, you know, because I know that pe- some people are saying that, you know, they want the Chargers to be able to address backup center in some way this in this offseason. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a pure connection here, but I do think he he does check some boxes for them. Um, and he has like actual experience playing center before this year, which mm-hmm. I feel like was kind of the biggest thing with Will Clapp is that he like individually was fine, but yeah, when it came down to like diagnosing things and passing things off, mm-hmm. he wasn't super great. Just kind of like the ins and outs of playing the position because he had never really done that. He was more so of a guard for the Saints. So um getting a true backup center, I think, is a need this year for the Chargers. And I think Pat Elfline would uh, check some boxes for them. Yeah, I'm torn. That's a great suggestion. I'm torn of whether they believe in Brendan Hymas for backup center this year. I yeah. don't know if they would. To me, with Jamari now switching to guard, we're assuming. I think he's just kind of like the swing guard or something. But I do believe in a natural, true center would be a good one there. I actually thought you were going to bring up, um, oh, who's the Rams guy? I know, not Abushi. It's um, David Edwards. I thought you were going to bring yeah. him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did ask. Uh, I did think about bringing up David Edwards, and I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, he was—he's got a ton of starting reps at left guard and right guard. Um, obviously, you know, kind of fits that outside zone guard kind of role. You know, he gives them some size, which I think the Chargers do need. You know, for for being able to execute some gap and power things. Because um, Kellen Moore is going to run a pretty versatile rushing attack. You know, he's not going to specialize in anything. So mm-hmm. um, that's. Uh, that's a that's a good one too. Uh, asked Ryan Dyrud about that LAFB because mm-hmm. um, he's kind of plugged into the Rams side of things. He's he's had a bunch of concussions recently, so after he told me that, I kind of pivoted away from him. But you know, if you're signing him as a backup, I think that makes a lot of sense. Really gives you a, a backup guard that you really trust to play, and so you know that is something that I do think that you need to address because you have two young guards. I would like to have them be able to to have kind of a, a, a reliable veteran backup because you have two guys who not necessarily have a ton of experience in, in that room. Mm-hmm. No, really good options there. Um, I will pivot to, okay. I'm only going to bring it up because I need to find it exactly where it is on my note. Here we go. Uh, only because people will ask, and that's Isaiah McKenzie, the receiver from Buffalo, which yeah. again, I do believe this is a draft scenario thing for them, but we're talking about free agency. So here we are. Zay Flowers is an undersized receiver who can catch the ball and rush with the football and ran a 4-4-2-40. You know who else is an undersized receiver who can <laughs> rush the ball and ran exactly a 4-4-2-40? Nice. That's Isaiah McKenzie. I, I, I was curious. And their profiles are very, very similar, except McKenzie's a bit shorter. I don't know how the profile was coming out of college, but in terms of the athletics, it's very, very similar. 
again, this isn't a world beater sort of receiver, but 423 yards last year um, and four touchdowns, 4.9 yards per carry as a rusher in the NFL. I am, I'm hoping and praying. I haven't confirmed, but I'm fairly confident he can take a jet sweep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't confirmed, but if I see at least one of them, then it should be a priority for us. Uh, man, so. I still can't believe that play. Called, man. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, nightmares. But I, I do think that is a player, especially because now that he's cut, yeah, no, no one's making him wide receiver one, two, or maybe even three. No offense to him, but I think he's a guy who you could add to the rotation. I should have looked up the return stats, if any, um, but I, I just think that element, if Kellen Moore would choose to do that, I don't know how much he involved a rushing attack with wide receivers in Dallas, but if the Chargers kind of want to still maintain that part of them and and pick up someone who... I think the I believe 430, excuse me, 423 yards last year as a receiver. I believe that's a lot more than DeAndre Carter ever had. So if you're looking for a slightly more proven wide receiver four slash five, then I think I, I would look at that for sure. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie checks a lot of boxes, I think, for them too. And I think if you feel, you know, in this instance, right, you're you're still drafting a wide receiver on day two. You add mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie as your wide receiver five. Like that's that's a really good wide receiver room. And the the return stats, because I did look at this, the return stats are not great as a punt returner. He had some muffed mm-hmm. punts, which is ultimately what led to him oh, being man. cut from Denver. <laughs> but as a kick returner, he's been pretty solid. As a kick returner, okay. he's been pretty solid. Um, but I think you could still maybe add your your returner specialist in a different way, right? Whether that's you know a, a day three draft pick or whether that's bringing DeAndre Carter back or something like that. Um, but man, if you like, if you give me a wide receiver room of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, hypothetically say Marvin Mims, Isaiah McKenzie, and hmm. Darius Davis or Nico Remigio, I think you feel really good about that room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, like, I think that gives you some juice as, at wide receiver five that they haven't had since a certain former fan favorite uh, was cut after training camp. Who? Tyron Johnson. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I was, I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like a whole different team. No, no, yeah. no. no. Yeah, no, Ty, Tyron Johnson, I wired your five. Like, I think it just gave them something different. And uh, I think Isaiah McKenzie would, would bring that back. I, I do really want to ask this question because I, I do think we saw last year. How much do you think they like Foster Serrell at swing tackle? With the understanding that he's probably going to get better. And I think half the fan base has probably yeah. sold themselves on Duke Manyweather changing his life. I mean, listen, man, if Duke Manningweather can fix t- Trey Pipkin's issues, then, you know, sure. Foster Sorrell, I mean, he's a former five-star recruit, but he was an undrafted free agent. Like, there's a lot of ground here to make up, in my opinion. And I think, you know, <laughs> I was laughing at Daniel Popper's article when he was like, Foster Sorrell exceeded expectations. I'm like, that's because there were none. <laughs> I don't think anybody had any expectations. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's mean, but true, you know, as an undrafted free agent. So, um, I think Foster Sorrell, if he can become something like a Storm Norton who can kind of function as your OT4, I mm-hmm. think that's a good scenario for you. I, I think banking him as on banking on him as your swing tackle, that would be a bigger mistake, in my opinion, than banking on Trey Pipkins or Storm Norton like solving your right tackle spot. We just haven't seen enough of him. And again, like I don't I, I don't know really like how much do we trust him because when he was in the games he was getting chip help on every single snap that they could. Like if they mm-hmm. were not doing empty sets, like he was getting help. So I just, I don't think we've seen enough of him to like properly judge. 
But him as OT4, I'm cool with it. At least if he's the backup tackle, at least make it a competition. You know, don't roll it in. And I mean, like, not a Storm Norton competition. I mean, (laughs) a a competition where you maybe draft or sign someone else who can come in and really challenge him. Also, Chris says, I look like him. That's racist. (laughs) Um, Man, that's racist, but that's okay. Um, At least get your Asians right. I believe he's Korean. (laughs) and i think he's like 20 percent korean i don't know i don't know um no but like you know in an ideal world you you go out and sign a cam plumbing for example right like your swing tackle if foster sorrell performs better than him great you have good depth right like that's a good thing to have so chris is also asian okay so we're we're good we're good here um (laughs) But if you have a, a veteran offensive tackle who you sign it and uh, Foster Sorrell beats him out, great. I'll take that. That's a great scenario. But I, like, I think you need to, like you're saying, you need to give him like a proper competition challenge. Making like handing him the swing tackle position, I think, would be a, a very big mistake. Mm, I just want to ask real quick. We we are like fairly confident that Jamari Sawyer is the left guard, right? Like we're not. Yeah. Yeah. What what is it gonna like? Do you think they'll ever actually say it until after the draft? Uh, I mean, Brandon Staley said that Jamari Seller is going to start for them. Oh, uh, just signed Trey Pipkin, so never mind. Yeah. Moving on. No, Michael. No first round picks. Oops, what did I just do? <laughs> Eckler, Palmer, and a third for Seattle pick number twenty. I mean, yeah, sure, like whatever. But Seattle's not going to do that. Seattle's <laughs> yeah, um, rolling, man. They want the picks. Yeah, they're crushing it. I think honestly, they're gonna trade back from number five so um we'll see what happens there but no in terms of the offensive line like they're in a great spot they have five starters locked up uh apparently tom telesco also said he was going to be a starter so you know Mm. they're good i wouldn't necessarily rule out them taking an offensive lineman on day two though i do think that Mm -hmm. they probably do need to potentially find like that backup center who can maybe become a future starting center Mm -hmm. and like i think Corey Lindsay will be fine preface that 100% I think he's going to be fine but if for example he does have some more knee tendonitis issues mm-hmm. they don't have a great cap situation next year like ideally you would have him kind of groom that next guy so mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine for next year but I wouldn't be shocked if they draft like a future center in the first three rounds in next month what is and I have to look what is Corey Lindsley's nothing guaranteed the next three seasons Wow. Oh, no. But yeah, roster bonus in 2025, but nothing guaranteed the next three seasons. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So if they if they cut him next year, what does that do? Uh, they would If it's next year, they would save 14... I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. Dead... How does this work? Arjun! Uh, <laughs> cap savings would be $9 million if they cut him next year. And the dead cap is 14? Dead cap's five. Oh, okay. So cap hit of next year, 14.1. About nine million dollars in cap savings, five point two in uh, dead money. So uh, you got to prepare for that potentially. Yeah. Again, this is this is just kind of speculation, but I think uh, Corey Lindsay will be fine. I think he's going to be on the team next year, this upcoming season, and next year as well. And then probably at that point, you probably move on. So I do think eventually this team is going to have to find a long-term center. And like Thomas Martinez is pointing out in the chat, you don't want a situation where like you don't have that guy. Like you don't want to have to draft a guy in the second round and be like immediately starting center. Hmm. Unless, you know, you're the chiefs and you can 
walk your way into Creed Humphrey being the best center in the league in the in the second round, which is still pisses me off. Anyways. <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note um one last guy i want to bring up here is uh former texans edge rusher rasheem green um mm. he's a former third round pick out of uh usc uh formerly of the seattle seahawks they're the ones that drafted him um you know the the edge three market hasn't really picked up very much yet um outside of malik reed signing which was super weird um and i do think the the chargers do need like an edge like we've talked about right but if they want to sign somebody, I think Rasheem Green could be a really interesting target for them because when he was in Seattle, he was kind of used he was kind of used as an inside outside edge rusher. So he does have the flexibility to kick inside at certain points. You know, he's he's a bigger edge rusher. He's like 270 pounds. Um, and he's played in different schemes. He's he's been more of a 4-3 defensive end, but I do think that because he's been kicked around, you know, that would give them mm-hmm. some flexibility. Um, you know, up front again, they really like kicking Joey Bosa inside. You know, Morgan Fox can play on the outside too, so that would make some sense to me. He is a coach ed guy, we know that the Chargers like hmm. using coach ed guys, yeah. Um, and from a production standpoint, it's not necessarily great production, but over the last two seasons in Seattle and Houston, he's combined for 60 total pressures, 13 sacks, and 12 quarterback hits. Okay, so it's not like this is you know bottom tier production, mm-hmm. like he does have some good production with them. And, you know, having another guy who can go inside, outside, I think makes some sense for them as well to get that uh, edge three position kind of solved in the short term. And then, you know, if you if you still want to draft one, you can draft one on day mm-hmm. two or something like that. And yeah. you can have a competition between Rasheem Green and Chris Rumpf and figure that part out. Yeah, I'm when it comes to this edge rusher group, if you're looking for the Chargers guy of the future, it's probably that, you know, stand up sort of type. But yeah. If I'm looking for edge rushers at different points, or maybe even like the second or third round of the draft, I'm not ruling out guys who are maybe your bigger kick inside sort of guys. Yeah. Um, because there there is a lot of value to that for the Chargers, not just getting, you know, a guy with 33 inch arms who's only a stand up sort of guy. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll prioritize that doing mock drafts or projections. But I think finding someone like you talked about um, with Green that can kick inside. Maybe someone who's bigger. That's a really good idea. That's kind of where I wanted to close things out too with I, a player that I don't know how much he's going to cost, but he's never cost more than like $5 million a year for whatever reason. Um, and that's Marcus Golden, the edge rusher from hmm. Arizona, who was also previously of the Giants, which I know, again, lose connection. There's really no connection. But the Chargers have added someone from the Giants the last two years in a row, one being Kyle sure. Fackrell, the next being Austin Johnson. So I think if, if Staley has ever looked at that certain film or looked at some of these guys on that defense, they would have seen Marcus Golden, who, you know, for the, I think the Cardinals, it was more of an inside or hand in the dirt sort of rusher. I believe with the Giants, I saw a bit more of him being able to stand up and rush the passer. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's a guy that's never broken the bank and he's got 90 pressures and 15 sacks the last two years. Um, yeah. Again, rush standing up, three point, reducing him inside, whatever. He's going to be 32. He was just cut. He's never asked or never been given more than $5 million a year. I'm not saying this is Hassan Reddick, because he's not. But with someone like Hassan Reddick, yeah. when I, what we liked about him so much was, and why we wanted him is, was nobody was giving the dude money. Like No one was paying Hassan Reddick money, even yeah. though the numbers were there. Here's Marcus Golden just being cut. No one's ever given him money. But the last two seasons, there's a guy with 90 pressures and 15 sacks just sitting there. Yeah. And again, 32, not your position, long-term fix at the position. 
But someone is there who isn't going to cost much, who's older, who was just cut, 90 pressures and 15 sacks, can do a lot of different things for this defense. I would love to bring him in. I didn't say it the first time around because I felt like someone with that production would kind of be scooped up at this point. Yeah, so did I. But but as far as, I mean, he hasn't, so I want to bring him up. Marcus Golden. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great shout-out. I think his his production is something that definitely stands out. You know, he was the Cardinals' best edge rusher, and like you're saying, you know, a, a ton of production is is not really available right now in free agency. So I'm, I'm surprised mm-hmm. he hasn't been scooped up. Yeah. Um, I think uh, an additional benefit here to signing somebody like one of these two players that we're talking about, it would kind of ease the need at defensive tackle, at least in terms of like a pass rusher, because mm-hmm. right now Morgan Fox is their only pass rushing defensive tackle guy, obviously. So they, they do need more pass rush from the interior, and obviously they can kick guys inside and out. But, you know, if you have another one of those guys who can play edge and inside and kick in four I five tech. I think that gives them some flexibility. So um, in terms of the draft, just kind of, you know, tying this all together here, Daniel Popper did have Mike Morris, the edge rusher from Michigan as one of the chargers picks in his first mock draft. I think it was the third round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's somebody that I think would fit that kind of, you know, uh, traits as well. So you have, somebody who can play on the edge. He's big enough, strong enough to play inside from time to time too. So if that's their goal, right, for the edge, if they kind of want to be able to have somebody with that flexibility, then, you know, I think Mike Morris would be a good fit there. Um, some questions about Chris Frumpf too. The Trey Pipkins thing, I think, is an important lesson in scouting, <laughs> right? I, I know where you're going. Okay. <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to, like, rule out Chris Frumpf developing, but, yeah. like – you know, Trey Pipkins at least was showing some flashes, you know, like as, as a rookie, as a second round, like as a second year player, we were seeing some at least good moments. Like when he was a second year player starting the Mexico City game against uh, Frank Clark, that was some really good tape for Trey Pipkins. I remember watching that mm-hmm. tape going, all right, like I can I can talk myself into Trey Pipkins. We haven't seen any of that for Chris Rumpf yet. All we've seen is that he's really struggled to like come down with tackles he's his missed tackle rate is is really really high he still is very very skinny which is not necessarily a bad thing but uh it's just we haven't seen enough from chris rump to like really bank on him becoming a true contributor so um maybe it happens i wouldn't rule it out but i personally would not bank on it happening at this point i think his ideal role at this point is as an edge for somebody who can play special teams I just I have a hard time really envisioning him becoming like a true dude up front. Yeah, that would be this is a process of a results thing for me. If he ends up being a 50 pressure guy next year, sick. Awesome. I don't want to do the process of just letting him be the natural edge three without any competition. I, I do think he can develop, but as as wrong speedy pointed out, especially if you watch like the Seattle game, although that was just everyone got their ass handed to them. True. The, the, the tight ends were just kicking the crap out of him, and I mean that again. That was a really good, at least in that game, a very excellent run scheme. They were efficient. They were smart. They were very, very tough to stop. But yeah, he's just he's just not quite there yet. And it's very easy to point to the numbers where, again, what what did I say? Where did you say it was? Or what did I say it was? It was worst missed tackle rate among all defenders in the NFL at a certain snap threshold, and then like a lower run stop rate than Jerry Tillery last year. Like yeah. that's like, it sucks to say that, but because there, there are things like as a pass rusher, he has improved, but 100%. I just think, I just think as an edge three guy, and especially because every single one of these edge three guys is an edge two and a half 
you know, whoever the edge three is, it's an edge two and a half because there's no way this guy's not starting some games. And I, I just don't know if that's rump just yet. Like you said with Trey Pipkins, can he develop? Absolutely. Has he gotten better? I think so. Has he bulked up? It seems like he has. I think we're now approaching like broccoli or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he ends broccoli. like. I don't know what the next thickest. Well, geez, pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever you want to be, Chris, you know, I'm just going to shut up. Um, good luck, Chris yeah. Rump. I hope you get better this year. No, 100%. I hope he gets better this year. But if you filter, you know, on PFF, you can filter by draft year, right? Like, you know, obviously it's unfair to compare him to like the the top guys, right? But, you know, you look at the guys drafted in similar ranges, right? Like Rashad Weaver was drafted on day three. He had 34 pressures and five sacks last year. You know, Joseph Osai was a late day two guy, 32 and four last year. Um, even somebody like Cameron Sample, like 22 pressures, three sacks last year. You know, Jonathan Cooper, 19, 19 pressures, two sacks. Chris Rumpf had a ton of snaps last year, a big opportunity to like really seize a, a, a big role in the NFL. And he had 17 pressures and two sacks. Like it's just, there's just not enough production for me to like be like, yeah, I'm going to bank on this guy, like becoming like the next dude, right? Like I just, we haven't seen enough. So, you know, the Chargers need to prepare for the likelihood that he is not going to take that step forward because you're talking about a team that has Khalil Mack, who's older who could be ten, potentially be coming like his, his cliff could be coming this year. Joey Bosa has not been able to stay healthy. Like you don't have an edge three right now. Like you have to be able to prepare for depth purposes. And that's how we started the show, right? It was like the, the chargers need more defensive line talent. And I don't think you can properly execute this defense. If Chris Rumpf is still playing significant snaps for you, unless barring again, like he has, you know, a similar kind of, Obviously, he was drafted, right? But similar thing with Foster Sorrell. If you sign somebody like Rasheem Green, you sign somebody like Marcus Golden, you draft an edge rusher in the third round, and Chris Rumpf is just better than that guy, great, perfect. You have good depth. That's sound process. But right now, you just you don't have that other option here. So Chris Rumpf needs to develop, and I hope he does. I'm just not banking on it happening. Yeah, and I don't really think the Chargers, not that they aren't banking on development, because they'd like to see that, but... I mean, Arjun heard that they're just not in love with the edge rusher group outside of the the first two. Um, yeah. And I guess you would have, you would have sort of lumped Kyle Van Noy, but at the time that was you know the conversations were happening. He was a linebacker for them. Like, he wasn't playing right. edge rusher. So I really do think there is going to be an upgrade here somewhere. I think anything in the first three rounds is to them someone who starts immediately over Chris Rump, unless Chris Rump beats him out, which is fine. Um, but I, I would be totally fine with Chris Rump and a you know, one of your first three picks being an edge rusher, that being your depth, I wouldn't mind. But even then I would love another veteran. Yeah. And I think if they really trusted Chris Rumpf to be a contributor, I don't think Kyle Vanoy is your full-time starting edge too. I think that would have been Chris Rumpf. So, you know, I, I think their yeah. intention with Kyle Vanoy was always to be kind of a hybrid player. And then Murray's uh, recovery took a little bit longer, I think. So he was like full-time linebacker. And then you have Joey Bosa's injury and Chris Rump not necessarily developing. So then he becomes your full-time edge too. Like, I just don't think that that was ever really their intention for him. Mm -hmm. And if Chris Rump had really taken that step, he would have been edge too, like from the jump. And they gave him his chance. Like he, he was, yeah. he was edge three, like exclusively all throughout training camp and preseason. Like he was the guy getting a ton of reps in those games and in the camp. So, 
you know, I just don't think they're in, in love with his production at this point. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to do our next mock draft. And I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah, we are going to do, uh, you know, spoilers. We'll do a mock draft next Sunday after free agency kind of wraps up and uh, he's in the chat. And so might as well say it. Alex is going to come back on the show next Sunday and uh, do our mock draft with us. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that one. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up today? Yes, whichever running back Alex mentions that neither of us have graded, but he's like some <laughs> random 500th ranked player, that's a future Pro Bowl running back. So <laughs> whichever player I've never heard of before that he brings up in our mock drafts, that's the player that is going to be an excellent running back in this NFL. <laughs> it was Khalil Herbert the previous year, yeah. who I, I had heard of actually, but I, I did not watch. And then Isaiah Pacheco, which I think literally came down to Alex and the Chiefs watched him, and that's it. Um, and he was excellent. So whoever that ends up being, Alex, that's the guy. Don't spoil it, though. Yeah, don't spoil it. I was I was trying to get some hints from him about that, uh, but uh, we'll figure it out. Um, he did like Jerome Ford, you know, as well in, in last that year's was draft. <laughs> Not everybody hits hundred percent. You know, we all have our, we all have our mistakes. It's all good. No, I, he's gonna be good. He's just yeah. No, it's gonna be a lot behind. Fun. He's behind that Nick Chubb guy. Behind that Nick Chubb, he's gonna get a bigger opportunity this year because you know Kareem Hunt is not gonna be around. So uh, Alex mm-hmm. says Pacheco Nation rise the f up. It, it's literally just you, man. It's <laughs> and you and Andy Reid. Yeah, you and yeah, you're all doing the tomahawk together. <laughs> It's also funny to me that Alex is like such a big receiver guy and, and uh, you know, his, he, he nails the, those day three running backs like crazy right now. So um appreciate him in the chat today. Appreciate him uh, joining us again next Sunday. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Hope you had a, have a great Sunday. Hopefully your bracket, if you do a bracket is better than my bracket is right now. It's been uh, not great for me this weekend, but you know, it's all good. Um, so we are going to be live on Wednesday, Wednesday, we're going to be breaking down the defensive tackles in this draft class. And then also kind of, you know, talking about any other free agency news. And then, um, Alex Katzen and I are going to be doing a a fun video this week in terms of the draft as well. So that's going to be dropping later in the week, but you know, that should be a fun conversation between the two of us. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you guys like the video, subscribe, leave us a rating review on the audio as well. We really appreciate it. We'll see you on Wednesday.